A busy August for American player movement is getting even busier. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. As always with me is Ivis Galarsep. What's up, man? How's it going, Garrett? It's going well, man. Just uh, enjoying my uh, my Thursday night. How's your night going? Uh, is it Thursday? I've lost all track of It's Friday for you. It's, it's technically uh, Friday. I'm counting I'm counting the days to, to, to my trip to Peru, so I've kind of... I just know it's like four days left, and uh, we're, we're going to try to get as much done before uh, before I take off. Yes, warning again for everyone who did not realize uh, this will be. We, we obviously, now we'll have another show on Sunday night to preview the U.S. men's national team friendly against Bosnia Herzegovina. Excuse me. Um, so this we have this show and one more show before we take a two week break. Ivis, we have a very good show today. As people saw in the title, we have our first guest in a while, and we have tons to talk about. So we have a very busy show today. Yes, sir. There's so much to talk about. Uh, it's funny because when when the Clint Dempsey transfer went down uh, last week, everyone probably thought that that, that was going to be like the moment, and, and there just wasn't going to be much after that. But it, it's actually been a really busy week, a lot of movement, a lot of players, a lot of coming and comings and goings, and you know the MLS transfer window closing on Thursday. So uh, you know, it's definitely ha- definitely hasn't been a boring week. Well, like as I've said, yes, it hasn't been born a week, which means we have tons to talk about. We're going to talk about the CONCACAF Champions League, talk about the American player movement, talk about Americans in Europe, also the U.S. Men's National Team, preview the MLS before, and as always, the SBI Q&A. Before we get to all of that, Ivis, last night uh, was the semifinals for the U.S. Open Cup, the 100th edition of the U.S. Open Cup. Um, you know, some results that we really kind of weren't surprised with. I mean, look, D.C. United, we talked about the momentum they had going into this game, especially with the play of Luis Silva, and D.C. United doesn't have much to play for in, in the MLS play, so you know, this is something that they can go for, and, and for Real Salt Lake, I mean, at home, they're very tough to beat at home so I think we have a nice final on our hands but you know still nonetheless very impressive that DC United beat the Chicago Fire oh without a doubt I mean I I thought the fire being at home being at Toyota Park you know the way they've been playing you would have thought they they would have come out and and, and to control that game and uh credit to DC you know they kept it tight they kept it close and and capitalized when uh Chicago made a mistake and and Sean Johnson with a blunder there uh just before halftime uh, really set the tone for DC and 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 gave them gave them some confidence heading into halftime uh, with Dwayne De Rosario's goal he pounced on it on, on the Johnson mistake and then Nick DeLeon right after halftime makes it 2-0 giving Chicago all the work to do and and even though the fire obviously poured it on in the second half trying to break through credit to DC they posted the shutout on the road and now Ben Olsen's team you almost kind of call them, you, you want to call them like the bad news bears. Uh, you know, they're in a final, even though they have the worst record in MLS. I know. Think about that. They could be in the CONCACAF Champions League next year with a victory. Yeah, it's crazy. And uh, It's you great. Know, I, I love, it's great. Credit. That's the purpose of the U.S. Open Cup. Right. Well, good look. Credit to them. Credit to, to D.C. Uh, for shifting gears. Uh, I mean, they really didn't have much of a choice, but, you know, they, 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 they went young. They went with youth. They went and picked up Connor Doyle on loan. They went and got Luis Silva, which was a steal of a pickup. Uh, even though I know they, he didn't exactly come cheap for them. I mean, he cost quite a bit of allocation money, but just a talented, talented player. Uh, and you see it. You see the change with DC. You know, they're, they're playing. Uh, uh, they're not so much worried about the fact that they have no hope for the playoffs. They're just, they're just having fun. Uh, it's a, bu- a bunch of young guys, and, and I think that's helping their veteran players as well. You know, when when you're when you're an older, you know, an older group, you have some older guys, but then you have these hungry young players stepping up. It kind of just, it's, it can be a little, it can be infectious. And I think that's what we've seen. You know, we've seen some older players like Di Rosario, James Riley really step up and uh, and join this youth movement uh, to help DC all of a sudden uh, start 
turning things around in the season that was looking like an absolute nightmare just a few weeks ago. In the other game, Real Salt Lake defeated the Portland Timbers. Obviously, you had two young guys going against each other, Jason Christ, Caleb Porter. You know, Real Salt Lake, I thought they had a very good game in, in, in this one. And, I mean, you had two teams that were, you know, we, we talked about the possession base. We kind of joked that no one will take a shot. There were tons of shots in this game. Nick Armando had a good game. And then everyone's favorite, Joao Plata, goes in and, and just, you know, wrecks havoc, scores a goal. So, for Real Salt Lake, I mean, they're going to be home against D.C. Knight in that final. And, I mean, you, you got to put a, a lot of stock in them to uh, to be the front runner right now in the final. Well, I'll tell you, we have to talk about that game because I thought it was a great game. It, it was really the the kind of uh, tightly contested match we thought it would be. Um, you know, the Timbers played well. I thought. I mean, they've fallen in a bit of a rut in mm-hmm. the sense that they they have this uh, mo of theirs that they start slow. They, you know, sometimes they fall behind. And then they have to try to climb out of it. And and I think that it, this, it happened yet again. You know, Real Salt Lake, credit to them. They started strong, Sabaria with the early goal. And, and their defense was just so good on the night. Yeah. Uh, but Portland started to turn it on in the second half and really made a game of it. And, uh, again, Nick Romando with some absolutely vital saves uh, to keep Portland off the board. But, I mean, if you look at it as a whole, I mean, it, it was a pretty even matchup. I mean, so you could even argue – uh, Portland had a little bit of better of the play, uh, especially as the road team. They, they even uh, won the possession battle, which against Real Salt Lake isn't exactly something that teams do generally. But again, Salt Lake got, uh, Real Salt Lake got the job done. They finished their chances. Sabarillo with the header, Jao Pata with the long-range goal, also set up by Sabarillo. So for me, at the end of the day, Sabarillo was the difference uh, for Real Salt Lake because he made the plays that uh, Portland's forwards did not make. Like you said, I mean, also Real Salt Lake in that game, I mean, you saw the importance of Kyle Beckerman breaking up a lot of attacks. I mean, that obviously, you know, we see that with Real Salt Lake. That's important for them. It's important for the U.S. men's national team. But, I mean, Portland kind of relied on counters, and Real Salt Lake just kept bringing players and players back to, to prevent the counters. And, I mean, they, st- they had a very disciplined game. No, it, it was impressive to see, uh, for sure. And, I mean, you're talking about a team that didn't have Javier Morales in the starting lineup. He came on, he came on later in the match, but... Uh, you know they 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 were very organized and and uh, even with Portland putting a lot of pressure on them in the second half, uh, you know they they made all the defensive play the plays they needed to make and 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 credit to a player like Carlos Salcido, who young a, a young center yes. back who's been one of the real kind of unsung revelations in the league this year, uh, and now they're in the final and and for Port just one last thing with Portland, uh, it, it's kind of a learning experience that they have to go through as a team that's still getting to know each other. I think it's easy to forget that this group, as a group, it hasn't really been together uh, much more than a half season. And, and you know, as a team, if you're going to be a team that wins things, if you're going to be a team that wins trophies, you, you have to go through experiences as a group and have some continuity and, and put some notches on your belt over time that, you know, you go through a few battles together. And they, I think they're still in that, in that uh, period where they're learning each other's uh, tendencies and, Figuring out what works, what doesn't work. Real Salt Lake, on the other hand, they're they're a team that they know each other. They they you know when you talk about that spine of, of Ramondo, Borchers, Beckerman, Grabovoy, Sabarillo, those guys have been together. They know how to play together and, and have that confidence in each other. And and that's right now. If, if there's not much for me, there's not much difference. There's not much that separates Portland from Real Salt Lake. But I think that is what separates them is that experience that Real Salt Lake has. As a group, even though they had the roster turnover, losing guys like Will Johnson, Olave, Spindola, but I think that that nucleus they have that has been together for a long time 
gives them an edge over a team like Portland. And you're right, Ivis. I mean, the nucleus of players that they've had, and then young guys like Carlos Salcedo and Omar Garcia stepping up. I mean, look, if you were also like, we also like fan yet to be very excited. The final will be, like I said, in Salt Lake City. It will be on October 1st. That's a Tuesday. So it's about a month and a half from now. I'm going to the game. I think you need to come up, Ivis, for an SBI Roadshow U.S. Open Cup final. Uh, well, you know, I, I want to go. Uh, but, you know, there's so much travel this year and you got to pick your spots. I, I, I would say... Uh, and by the way, you didn't mention the date. I think it's. I said. October I said 1st. October first. Come on, man. Can keep up with well, the show here. Well, you also said it was in Salt Lake City. It's it's in San. Details. Okay, come on. I'm just, I'm just all right, all right. Well, I'll tell you what. If the U.S. take if the U.S. national team takes care of business mm-hmm. uh, in September and gets the results they need to lock up that World Cup spot, uh, I think that might make it more likely that I'm in Utah because then those October qualifiers suddenly become a lot less important. Um, SBI, yeah, I mean, SBI I, I, I Roadshow, go, man. man. I mean, I got to go, you know, go to Rio Tinto, uh, check out the Red Iguana. And, uh, well, I'm going to Vegas before. We're, we're stopping in Vegas uh, one of the nights before. Well, so, I'm, def- so you, I'm definitely you, not doing Vegas. No, you got no ant wrong. SBI Roadshow will hit. Vegas will do a show in Vegas. Everyone can come party with us in Vegas, and then we'll go. Then we'll go to Sandy and do a show there. That's what we should do. Well, you know what's funny that you're talking about road shows. Uh, uh, this is a little little early primer, but. Uh, we actually, uh, I might be doing a show uh, from Columbus uh, for the U.S.-Mexico game. So, uh, and, and yet another reason for you to go on that go on that trip. So I can't go on that trip. It. I've already told you I've committed uh, to the U.S. I'm committed to the what, MLS I'll Cup final. Show, I'll be doing an episode of the SBI show from Columbus. Cause, I'll, I'll uh, be doing it too, right? Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll have you on Skype. I'll also be doing a show by myself when you're on vacation in Peru. So everyone look forward uh, to that one. Yeah. <laughs> Garrett is going to be singing uh, lounge hit classics. He's going to be singing the best of the oldies. So if you want to listen, tune tune in to the SBI show. While right. I'm gone. Right, so let's, let's get back to the soccer. We let's let's get back to what we do best. Let's let's talk Concacaf Champions League. Last night, wait wait wait, we got to talk about the game. We got about let's, let's get a little teaser preview of the final. Okay, fine. Tease and, tease and preview the final for me. I say we also like wins. Your turn. Oh, what a shock there. <laughs> oh, st- oh, my God. See, now everyone's going to have a field day listening uh, to the show. Just, hey, listen. Hey, shoe fits. Right. No, I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. Uh, look, you know, it's uh, first thing we should point out, it's the 100th anniversary of the Open Cup. And it, it, I will say this. Uh, it was a little disappointing, actually a lot disappointing, that on Wednesday night you have these two games, Open Cup semifinal, Open Cup semifinals, Neither one of them on national television. And obviously, look, we get it. The, the Open Cups uh, hasn't really been a, a, a real prestigious competition that, that has uh, garnered the public attention that maybe it deserves or, 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 and doesn't have that, that pull um, that you'd like to see from a competition that old. But uh, I don't know. I, it it would have been nice to, to be able to see it on, on TV. But, hey, again, credit to the people that made it happen. Uh, the streams, you know, everyone was able to watch the, watch the games online. Um, but hopefully, the day will come when we can watch the Open Cup semifinals on TV uh, somewhere. So let's uh, let's hope that happens soon. As far as the final goes, you, you can yeah, watch so- the final, Ivis. It's on Goal TV. Exactly. Is is it really on Gold TV? Yes, again? this is this is what I've I've seen. Oh, I man. yeah, right here. It looks even... like it's Gold TV to air the next. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at it right yet. Yeah, they will air it. So if everyone has Gold TV. Look forward to the U.S. Open Cup final. Well, I mean, I don't like talking. I never, I never talk bad about TV uh, setups and the like. But I mean, I have, I don't, I don't think people have fond memories of last year's Open Cup final broadcast. So 
hopefully it's a little better this time around. Um, but, 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 but you know what? I digress. Back to the game. <laughs> Real Salt Lake, you got to give them the edge. They, they have that experience. And they need to win one of these big games. It's funny. Jason Christ was funny after the game, you know. Uh, and he made, he made the point. It's like this group needs to win one of these big games. And, yes, Real Salt Lake did win the MLS Cup final in 2009. We haven't forgotten about that. But they've had a lot of big games um, at home that they they haven't won. Uh, that that MLS Cup that they did win was in Seattle. It was not in, at Rio Tinto. But they've had some big games at Rio Tinto that they didn't win. They they didn't deliver in. Uh, we can talk about the uh, 2008 Western Conference Final. We can talk about uh, even their their home the, the first game ever at Rio Tinto. They didn't win that one, uh, and also the the Concacaf Champions Concacaf Champions League final lost to Monterey, the one that really really hurts uh, the folks down there because you know they came that close to winning the Concacaf Champions League. So uh, it, it's time for Salt Lake to to win one of these big games at home and, and potentially lift the trophy. And I'm I'm afraid to point it out, but I know some people in Salt Lake are aware of this. I have actually been to all those games that they did not win at home. So I have yet to see Real Salt Lake win a game at home uh, for all the times I for the you know the, the three times that I've been there. So I don't I don't know if the Salt Lake people should want me at that game. Uh, I got to tell you. So I, that's another reason why I might not I might not show up. Yeah, but I'm going to the game, so we're like neutral out. You know, no, you're you a negative. I'm a positive. You know, you don't count. <laughs> <laughs> Stop it. They'll be like, why is Alexi Lawless Jr. here? I don't know. <laughs> Dude, I got a new haircut. It, it's really short right now. I have, it, The red hair is gone. The red hair only comes out when it's longer. Oh, nice. All right, before I get called a ginger, Ivis. Okay, so like I said, October 1st is the U.S. Open Cup final. Be on Gold TV. Um, it's a Tuesday, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a winner. Winner gets an automatic spot in the 2014-15 CONCACAF Champions League. Um, Ivis, like we said last night, Going on right now is the CONCACAF Champions League. Uh, Sporting Kansas City went down and took on Nicaraguan side Real Esteli FC. They defeated them 2-0. to zero. And for Sporting Kansas City, Ivis, one, you get a victory on the road. You have to be very excited about that. And number two, they had a lot of regulars missing from their starting 11. You look at it, Zuzi was missing, Beasley was missing, Kamara was missing, Bieler was missing, and you still had a very good performance. I mean, goal-scoring machine Dominic Dwyer gets a goal. So for Sporting Kansas City, Ivis, winning on the road and winning without your marquee players, you have to be very excited about that. Well, listen, they're they're a deep team, right? Number one, number two, uh, Real. No, no disrespect, but Real Esteli is not a strong team. They're really not. They're not that good. Uh, but hey, it's still it's still tough to go down to Central America and get a result. And and they did that. They they really controlled that game. Um, but again, as we talked as we talked about last last show, the real competition for them is when they have to play Olympia, the Honduran team. That's the real rival for the spot in that group. And that's when things are really going to get t- tough, and 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 I would have to, I would wonder uh, how different the lineup will be once uh, Casey has to actually travel to Honduras and face that team, because that's going to be a much tougher proposition. Looking at you know late, less tougher now without Alexander Lopez on the roster, so uh, Sporting Kansas City might have to thank uh, Houston for that. That yeah, you know it's it's it's, <laughs> it's rare when. Uh, uh, Kate, Sporting KC has something uh, to be happy about involving the Dynamo, but uh, in that instance, uh, for those of you who missed it, uh, the Houston Dynamo have signed uh, Alex Lopez to a designated player deal, so he will not be 
part of Olympia's Champions League uh, campaign. Well, well, we'll talk a little bit more about that. Um, the other game that went on, you had two MLS clubs taking on each other. You had Montreal in there for winning the Canadian Championship. Uh, San Jose Earthquakes in there. And of course, Ivis, like you always say in MLS, when a team is down, they win a game. And Montreal at home defeats San Jose Earthquakes after San Jose winning this game on a three-game winning streak. And Montreal not playing that well. So for Montreal, midweek game, you have to be very excited to get a victory over San Jose. And for San Jose, I mean, you have to be a little disappointed. Well, look, they have no one else to blame. Uh, they they put out they did not put out a first-choice starting lineup uh, for that game. Um, you know, they, and they have to... Since we, as we've been talking about for the last few weeks, San Jose is back in the playoff hunt in the West. So, I mean, they 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 had you know they had some pretty good players there, but again, you know, when you don't have your your first choice center backs, uh, you don't have Wondolowski, John Bush, you know, you re- you rest a lot of your main guys. Uh, it's going to be pretty tough against a Montreal team that went they went full bore. They went with their full squad, uh, as far as I can tell. They had all their starters. Uh, except for Troy Perkins, uh, they, they started Evan Bush, uh, the backup. But they had Devayo, uh, they had their new de- designated player Hernan Bernardello, Bernardello Justin Mapp, uh, Nesta. They had they had all their guys, so they needed to win the game, right? Because you know if they, if they lose that game or even uh, drop points uh, to San Jose, all of a sudden you're, you're talking about putting yourself behind the eight ball uh, in a three team group. But you know, I, you know, I, I kind of. I don't know. As far as the earthquakes, I mean, I guess you get it, right? You know, as t- as tight as the schedule is already, when you have to travel from San Jose all the way to to Montreal to play in a game like that, if you can rest some guys, you have to do it. So you know, it's a tough spot to be in, but uh, I think the the real test will be when the, when these teams meet in San Jose. Well, Ivis, not only was it a busy week middle of the week for games it's been a busy week for player movement tons of things going on right now um you broke the story charlie davies coming back to the mls plane for the new england revolution you know a couple people scratched their head for this i mean a guy hasn't scored in a while but i mean when he was with dc united after the car accident i mean he did score some goals so i mean i guess there is some promise there but you know a guy like charlie davies it's 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 gonna be nice to see him back playing in the mls uh, I agree, and uh, I got to say it was it was I don't want to say it was surprising, but it was impressive to see the response to that story uh, when when we broke that on SBI that he is coming uh, back to MLS. He's joining New England on loan. Uh, New England's going to have a loan with an option to buy, so it's their chance to kind of ch- test him out, see what he can give them, uh, and if they want to buy him, they'll buy him. And it's not it's not uh, from what I understand, it's not a, a big uh, a big price. Uh, I think it's actually pretty inexpensive. So, you know, if he does well, I think he'll be a, it's a safe bet he'll be with the Revolution in 2014. And, you know, New England, I got to say, there's a lot of stuff going on with New England. You know, we already know about the Juan Agadello situation. Um, you know, he signed a pre-contract with Stoke City. Uh, those side, Both of those sides are, are working on on discussions to, to have Agadello leave earlier. Um, from what I understand, an offer's already been made uh, by Stoke City. Uh, to MLS, and uh, that one's gonna that one's gonna bear some watching uh, uh, with, with the Agadello situation because uh, you know as as folks know by now from listening to the show, New England only owns a small percentage of, of Agudelo's, uh transfer rights. But I got an interesting one for you from what my sources have told me: uh, the team that does own the larger percentage of Agudelo's rights, the New York Red Bulls, are actually, uh, from what I understand. Offering a per, a cut of their percentage to New England 
to make it happen. Basically, it's a sweetener. It's like a, uh, the best way to put it is, you know, uh, half of uh, half of a little is better than than you know eighty percent of nothing. And then you know, if you're the Red Bulls, if you can if you can sweeten the deal for New England, and make the deal happen, then then you do that. Um, but again, it's going to come down to MLS and. If if New England is stingy and they don't want to, you know, they don't want to budge, or if they want Agadillo back for the playoff race, yeah, push. I mean, it, that, Sorry, push. Well, you know what? It's 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 an it's going well, if he's healthy, he needs to get healthy it's not too. Up to them. It's up to MLS. MLS can override, uh, as as I said in the last show, when when a player is has less than a year in his contract, the league can step in and make the move. So if Stoke City makes the right offer, if they step in and offer a good, uh, you know, a, a solid. Uh, fee. It's not going to be huge because again, he only has five months left left on his deal. Uh, so you, you're not going to expect millions of dollars for Agudelo. But that being said, if Stoke City steps forward and offers uh, a, a pretty sizable fee, considering he only has six months left, MLS is going to have to consider it, and uh, New England, you know, might have to think about it, especially if. If they're getting a bit of a sweeter deal, uh, courtesy of the Red Bulls. Well, I was uh, in other player movement. Alejandro Bedoya, who had a very nice Gold Cup, as everyone should know, is moving over to French side Nantes. It's not Nantes; it's Nantes for everyone. Um, and this is a very good move for him. You know, moving up a league. Uh, I mean, obviously Nantes just got uh, they just got promoted from uh, from League Two into League One. So, but for Bedoya, you know, playing against better competition. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a very nice move. Oh, it's a great move. Uh, that you know, the French league is a strong league. Uh, obviously, we everyone knows about uh, PSG, but now you have Monaco uh, splashing the cash. And and the thing, you know, for those who aren't versed on on the on the French league, you know, you might hear, oh, he's joining a promoted team. You know, is it, is this going to be a weaker team? Uh, but not not has they have a great history. They have a great history uh, in France. Uh, they're a well supported club, beautiful stadium. So they're a team that should stay up. You know, they should you know get back into the league, into league on. And and really make a move and and Bedoya's acquisition. I mean, for Bedoya, that's I think it's a great step. I know the Dutch league was an option. Uh, Heron Vane was a possibility, um, but uh, I think the French league the French league is a better league. So it, it's only going to help him and and that competition. If he can get regular playing time, that's only going to boost his chances uh, when we're talking about the making the World Cup team. Plus, he gets to play against Ibrahimovic and Edinson Cavani. The scariest strike tandem, I think, in the world. <laughs> well, Ivis, uh, when we talk about the Americans abroad, lots of movement going on. You know, obviously, play's going to be picking up here for Europe soon. Play going on now is in Liga MX. There's one young, very young player, Paul Ariola, who's doing very well. I mean, very impressive start to his young career. I mean, two assists in league games. He's starting in the CONCACAF Champions League already. And, I mean, it's crazy to think just how far he's come in such a short amount of time. But, I mean, Ivis, I mean, you had to be very excited about just the start that he's had to his professional career. Oh, I got to say, it's been it's been unbelievable. Uh, I mean, when you think about it, I mean, you don't normally have American high school play a player who just played in high school. Uh, make that jump, or, or you know, is a high school age play, uh, player make that jump straight in, getting minutes, making an impact the way Ariola has been able to do? Uh, it's pretty crazy. It's a crazy story, uh, you know, it's, when you think about it, and, and it's great. It's a great sign uh, to see uh, the American development uh, system developing a, a teenager like Ariola who can make an impact already. In a in a in a foreign league, so that I mean that's a big step, and and you know we, we had a chance to talk to him uh, for the SBI show, and he, you know he was we're talking a ve- about a very intelligent and mature kid, 
who was kind of in the center of a little bit of controversy because he was affiliated with the uh, LA Galaxy Academy and did not sign with the Galaxy, chose to join Club Tijuana. I know that ruffled some feathers, but, you know, I think with our interview with Ariola, he helped shed some light on the situation. Uh, for those who aren't that uh, that up to up to speed on his background, uh, I mean, we're talking about a kid who who grew up in near San Diego, twenty minutes from Tijuana. He's not from the necessarily. He's not from the LA area, so uh, so he's really home. You know, he's he's getting the chance to play close to home, playing on a top quality team, uh, a team with a ton of American players on it. So uh, it, it's it's great to see him get off to the kind of start he's been able to get off. Well, Ivis, let's uh, head down to Tijuana. Let's welcome Paul into the show. Paul, how are you doing today? Good. How are you? Doing excellent. You know, it's pretty crazy when you think about it. I mean, a couple months ago, you were just in high school, and now you're starting in the CONCACAF Champions League. Have you had a moment just to kind of sit down and just really think about how the last couple months have gone for you? Uh, yeah, I mean, not very often do I get to sit down and think about it, but uh, but it is, when I when I do think about it, it's pretty crazy. Uh, a couple months ago, just just finishing uh, high school, and now to be able to play in front of twenty thousand people, thirty thousand people um, on TV in front of you know multiple nations, it's an amazing, amazing feeling, you know, and it's it's something that that uh, I'm really enjoying right now. Now uh, we have you have to take us back to the to training camp when you when you first got there. Obviously, you signed with Tijuana, and you go there kind of thinking, you know, I, I want to get playing time on the U20 team. And then about a, after about a week and a half there, all of a sudden you're with the first team. Talk, talk about that process and how quickly it all happened. Uh, yeah, so when I initially signed, um, the thoughts of, of, I would say, a lot of us in the club were, were I'm going to be a, a U20 player and I'm going to be you know, effective on the U20 side, uh, get a lot of playing time, maybe potentially get onto uh, the roster to, in CONCACAF, get some minutes in with the first team. Um, and stuff like that. But after a week uh, of preseason with the the, the under twenties, um, I was I was called to to start preseason preseason with the first team. And so uh, right from the beginning, uh, I was fortunate enough to to practice with the first team, be able to play um, with a new coach. I was able. Everyone was kind of at a new start. I was able to come in um, and work hard and and show my strengths and my qualities and. Now I'm here getting some minutes. As far as the Tijuana goes, obviously everyone knows about the American uh, influence there, the the American players that are there, all the U.S. national team guys. Uh, how much how much easier has the transition been for you because of having those guys like Garza, Corona, Castillo, and also the the, the younger guys that are fr- you know friends of yours like Alejandro Guido? Yeah, it, it's a big it's a big help uh, to be honest uh, to be able to come down here and. And to have people who who are just like me, who are who are Mexican American, who play with the national team, who's been through the the things that I'm going to be going through, um, it it's good to to have these kind of people, and you know, to know that they're supporting you and they're helping you out, and and they're your friends. Well, I think for you, it's kind of very fortunate. I mean, not many guys have an opportunity in their lives to one play for their favorite team but I mean you grew up minutes from the border I think about I think it's like a 20 minute drive for you you know what is that like for you you know being able to play for the team that you know you've grown up watching you've grown up cheering for I mean what is that like yeah uh it's it's unexplainable uh to be honest you know 
Tijuana has only been in the in the league for a couple years now, and um, before before no one really no one really talked about uh, Tijuana Club Tijuana. Um, they were in the second division. Um, they were a fairly new club, um, you know. So so growing up, there was no real there was no real soccer team for me um, to completely admire. Um, to say you know this is my this is my hometown. This is this is my hometown team. Um, and so, so luckily, once once the team started to do well, once the club started to do well, um, out and then it started this trend where they realized that they can get kids from across the across the border in San Diego, and and now now it's like it's definitely San Diego's home team. You see it everywhere. You're driving around. You see stickers on the back of people's cars. You walk anywhere. You see a Cholo's jersey, a Cholo shirt. You're recognized everywhere. Um, so it's really a blessing to be able to to play for for my home team. You know, and then the other thing for you, I mean, living in California, you know, like you said, and I think people don't, maybe some people don't realize this, that, I mean, San Diego 1 has a rich soccer history with the soccers. I mean, granted, they're an indoor team, but a very good history for you. You know, one, being able to play, like you said, for your hometown team, and then you get to cross the border. I mean, what is that like a little bit for you, for you, you know, doing that commute? Um, I... The way the way that I I can explain it is you get you know it's the best of both worlds you can you can play um, in a foreign country in a in a completely different league um, completely different style of of soccer that is compared to the MLS um, and then at the same time after after practice or after a game or after a trip you can come back uh, and I'm able to come back and you know live at home with my family with my mom my dad my brother. You know, be able to hang out with my friends and and being able to interact just like just like if I'm living a regular life uh, without without a soccer without a soccer uh, without a soccer team or playing soccer as a career or anything like that. Um, and and you get you get the best of both cultures. You know, you get to come down here uh, once you cross the border. It's a complete different uh, it's a complete different different lifestyle. And you know, the way you drive, what you eat, the way you talk. Uh, it's it's completely different, but being able to go back and forth, um, you really get to admire both sides. Uh, you're off to a fast start, obviously. I mean, it's enough. Not only are you getting uh, minutes early on in the season for for Tijuana, but you've actually been an impact player for them. Coming off the bench, you've had assists in in, in these first two games, and and talk about that just experience of of actually getting a chance to play. I know I know it's not. Something that you get nervous about getting going getting on the field, but but what's it been like to be able to just get on there and make an impact? Have you even exceeded your own expectations for how quickly you've been able to adjust to to the pro league? Um, yeah, I I would say that that it is. I did not expect uh, to make uh, an impact like I have, but but I've said before that every time I get onto the field, whether it's I'm starting, whether if I come in for ten minutes or I play forty five minutes, I always want to make an impact. Um, and being uh, a player who's very attacking minded, um, the way that I need to make an impact is I need to be able to create chances to score or finish, you know, on the end of, on the end of crosses or on the end of a through ball or take shots from distance or things like this. Um, and so that's always my focus every time I get into the game. Um, I want to make an impact on a, in, you know, in a positive way. Um, and obviously sometimes they, you know, I'm asked to defend. Uh, and, and I have no problem, you know, going forward, being able to come back. I play on the wing, um, and in the first game I played kind of as an outside, um, 
defender um, who had a lot more space to go up. And then in the second game, I kind of played as a as a high forward. Um, but but anywhere that I play on the side, uh, you know, whether it's offense or defense, I always want to do the best I can. I always make an impact and help my team win. Well, Paul, as a young guy coming up in the league, and you know, you can have some, maybe some guys looking at you, but you know, from what I've seen out of you, I mean, you seem like you're not afraid to go at people. Where do you kind of get that mentality from, and is that the style of play that you're always going to want to play? Uh, yeah, uh, that's the way that that I've grown up. Um, I had a coach who, when I was really young, uh, I shouldn't say really young, when I was from the ages of 10 to 14 and a half to 15, I had a club coach who who always told me, uh, as a forward, you can't be afraid to make mistakes on the attacking third, you know, and, and I am, uh, one of my best qualities is my pace and my explosiveness that I'm able to, to get by players and take on players and, and use that for, for my ability. Um, obviously because I'm not, I'm not a big guy. I can't, I can't win a lot of balls in the air. I can't hold up a player. Um, I move, I move better off the ball, um, or when I'm dribbling at someone. And so when, when I grew up, I was always taught to, to use uh, my best quality, which is my pace. And so I was always told not to, make, not to be afraid to make mistakes uh, going forward. You know, you can, you can try 15 times and you can mess up 14 times, but the one time that you get through, the one time that you make a good cross, the one time you, you, know, you take a shot and it goes in, that's when, that's when it'll all pay off. And you can't be afraid to, to, to lose the ball or to make a bad pass. You just have to continue to, to, continue to go and go and go. Now, before you before you joined uh, uh, Cholos, you, you folks in in California already knew about you. I mean, you and in the youth ranks, you you were considered probably the top prospect uh, in youth soccer, American youth soccer last year. Uh, but for say pro American fans around the country, they're just now kind of starting to learn about you. And and it seems like the uh, the description people get of you is that you were a, a, a an LA Galaxy Academy product. And and they try and they were going to sign you. They tried to sign you, but then you left and you went to Tijuana instead. Uh, it, it, the story the story that people get isn't necessarily how it how it went down exactly. So we we definitely have to talk about that. Uh, talk about that process about how, you know how you joined the Galaxy. Uh, from what I understand, you weren't even there for a full year with them, uh, and then you actually had a chance to tra- trial with with Tijuana during that time. Talk about that process that year that that you had uh, with LA. Right. Uh, so, at the in the middle of uh, the year 2012, um, I had decided to join the Gal- to join the Galaxy's Academy, and I I decided to move up there. Um, I played up there with the academy for a couple months, um, and I wasn't I, I liked it, but it, there's just something that didn't feel right uh, right in me. And so when I would go to practice, you know the the love and the passion that I had wasn't completely there. Of course, it's always there, um, but sometimes, you know, you just—I I was just not happy. Um, and at that time, I was—I was being contacted by a lot of Mexican clubs, not just Tijuana. Um, and of course, since Tijuana is right here, I had decided to come down here, and I had uh, a couple trials um, while I was with the Galaxy. Um, I, I had one in November. And then I had, and then I had one in December, uh, um, and and during the time in December, I had told the Galaxy that that I was going to be done, and that I was going to go down to train with Tijuana for a month, 
And once I had came down and I was here for a couple of weeks, they Galaxy had contacted me again, um, saying that that I was invited to go to preseason with Galaxy's first team. And so, of course, without you know, I never like to to burn any bridges or to you know to get rid of my options or anything like that. So I decided to come. I decided to go back up there and train with the first team um, in hopes to become a professional. You know, I wanted. I wanted to be a professional so bad um, throughout my whole life. Ever since, ever since I was 12, 13 years old, you know, I just, I just wanted to be, you know, someone who was able to play in front of thousands of people to be able to to do what I love. Um, and so that was my goal. That was my goal. Um, that was my dream, I should say. And so when I was able, when I was able to to train with the first team, I, I was fighting for a roster spot just like all the other play, all the other players who had been drafted from the LA Galaxy. Um, and I had done well for the first couple. I trained with the first team for a first cup for the first couple of months of 2013. Um, they had offered me a contract. Um, I, of course, I won't get into detail with with that, but pretty much I was not going to get um, a lot of playing time. In, in the first year that I was going to that I was going to to be a professional with the galaxy and to me I still I'm still young and I still have a lot of time and a lot of things that I need to to improve on and I still need to develop and do all that so, stuff so when I was able to come back down here um, of course the the under 20 league made it a lot easier for me to decide because I could be I'm still young um, and at that point in my life, you know, not not playing, of course, not being here with the with the first team in Tijuana, but thinking about playing time and still developing and being able to play every single weekend, um, unlike the reserve league um, in the MLS right now, which is still not where where the MLS wants it to be and where everyone wants it to be. Um, and so, so really, the playing time became my factor um, as well as happiness. You know, when I was down here. Uh, it was it was like a new spark every time I went down here. You know, I when I came down here and all of a sudden I could score goals. Felt like I was this dangerous player who who could make things happen. And up in LA, um, I wasn't really feeling it like that. You know, I didn't. I wasn't the happiest that I've ever been. Uh, like I am down here. And, and ultimately, when it came down to to making my decision, uh, I knew that I needed to be happy. Um, and of course my family, my friends, everyone around me supported me, uh, with whatever I chose and, and I chose to, to take the path that'll make me the most happy. Right. Now, now that's a, you know, something that people kind of don't realize, especially people who aren't from the West coast is, is that where you're, you're from is, is, is real close to Tijuana, real close to San Diego. You're actually about two, more than two hours away from LA. So it's not like you're an LA, an LA kid, quote unquote. Um, right. That, that experience with LA, though, the, the training with them, at, at what point did you kind of make the decision in your head that, you know, I want to turn pro? Because I know college was an option. I think UCLA was where you would have gone, I think, if, yes, you, were, if, you, if you had gone that route. So when, when did you kind of make that decision to, to kind of chase that dream and, and just jump and, and go pro? Um, so it had, from, like I said, from when I was younger, I always wanted to be a pro. Uh, but I was, I, I was taught not to not to um, get rid of my options. You know, I want to keep every door open that I can for as long as possible in order to make the most uh, logical decision. And so when I, when I was a junior in high school, um, well, right before that, my, my sophomore year, 
I lived in residency uh, with the under-17 national team. We went to the World Cup, and I came back to school in San Diego, um, and I just played for the, an academy team in, in San Bernardino uh, called Arsenal FC. Um, and so when I was back in school, um, I kind of, there was a point in the school year that I kind of said, you know what, you know, I like being, I like being this normal kid where I can have fun, I can hang out with my friends, and I can do all of this, but, but the thing that'll make me the most happy is to be a professional. Um, and I wasn't, and one thing about me is I'm very determined, and, you know, I don't, I don't stop until I get where I want to be, or I get what I want um, to get. And so I just decided that that being a professional was something that that I had always dreamed of, and I knew that it was my dream. And and going to college, you know, you can always go to college. Obviously, maybe not, you know, to to one of the top schools in the nation, but but college is college, um, and you can only live your dream once. And so I went up to LA, and I wanted to be a pro. Um, and UCLA knew that they they were kind of the last option that that I, I always wanted to be a pro. Um, and so I don't think that they were, I don't think, they, they were definitely not surprised. I had always kept them in the loop, um, as well as Galaxy. When, when I was going to sign in Tijuana, um, I had let them know um, that, I was, that I was done. Um, thank you for everything. But ultimately, I wanted to be a pro, and I needed to be somewhere that I was going to be happy in order to succeed. Uh, now, one, one thing I did have to ask you about uh, is, uh, you know, you're in Mexico. You're, you're. I think it's third generation uh, Mexican American. So, your Spanish. You're, you're working on the Spanish now. How's that going for you? Obviously, playing in Mexico, you you have to learn the language. How's that going for you? Of course. Uh, yeah, it's okay. Um, at least on the field, uh, there's no there's no problems. Uh, now, usually, I get I get paired up uh, with a roommate who speaks zero English, and so so I have to somehow communicate with them. Um, but as well, living in San Diego, um, anyone who's been to San Diego knows that, that you're surrounded, uh, by Hispanics and you, you know, you can say that, that Spanish is the main language, uh, spoken around everywhere. Um, but it's, it's coming along, you know, hopefully, hopefully in a couple more months, uh, I can be a little more, a little more, uh, I should say secure on my Spanish and, uh. Hopefully next time uh, I need to be interviewed, I can speak in Spanish. <laughs> nice, nice. We'll we'll get you on here. You get, you can say some stuff in Spanish. <laughs> uh, now I uh, I understand the the buzz has already begun down in Mexico with your first few games and the fact that you've already made an impact. And I know the fans down in Mexico are aware of your your heritage. And I and I know you have a actually have a Mexican passport. Uh, but you're a U.S. player. You've played U.S. for the U.S. national team on the youth level. Uh, all the way from from your early, the earliest age groups, uh, have you already started to get a little, uh, I guess, a little attention from the Mexican side? Maybe maybe them trying to to swing you and convert you over to Mexico. Um, just not not anyone uh, specifically or anyone big. Just you know some fans uh, who have who have reached out to me and and said that you know that Mexico needs me and that it would be great to have a player like me on Mexico, but. Uh, I'm very pro-U.S., you know, and and I owe everything uh, to my national team, to my nation, um, because without them, you know, I probably wouldn't be where I am today uh, without the scouting and the looks from 
from when I was 13 years old to the U17 World Cup to the international tournaments um, to all these things. And and I, there's nothing better than playing for your for your nation and representing your country, um, especially on a World Cup uh, stand. Uh, uh, obviously, you're still young and it's early part of your career, but. Uh, given the success the U.S. is having as a national team, and the fact you have gone up all all the different rungs in the in the national team youth ladder, I mean, how excited are you about about that future for yourself? Uh, you know, not only you know with the say the U twenties, U twenty threes, but even eventually the the senior team. I mean, you've, you're already doing well on, on the pro level. Uh, do you think about that much, or especially with guys like Corona and Castillo around who you know who are getting to enjoy experience that themselves? Um, yeah, I try not to uh, think about that too much. At least I haven't had the chance in these past couple of weeks to really, to really think about it. I just kind of am. Uh, I'm still kind of in the honeymoon stage of uh, all of this. You know, everything's really not settled down yet. Um, just because I keep playing and I keep doing well for myself. Um, but I mean, I'm I'm excited to to be a part of uh, a national team, a federation that's that's doing well, you know, on, on a lot of parts of, of, um, FIFA, you know, whether it's from the, from the, from the under 14s to the under 17s to the under 20s, you know, we, we do, we do fairly well, uh, for a nation who, who has many different sports in the country. And so it's something to be very proud of. It's something to look forward to, um, in my future. But as of right now, I'm, I'm focused on, on helping my team down here um, with Tijuana and just doing the best that I can. Now, Paul, as a rookie, there's always some type of hazing ritual to welcome you to the team. I heard a rumor that uh, that you got hazed by some of the older guys. Why don't you explain what happened with that? Uh, yeah, so every every uh, preseason when there's a new player, um, they get to shave your head and uh, so they shave your head for they shave your head however they like for a day and you have to leave it for a day uh usually you have to go out to practice or go somewhere um where you have to be where you get to be seen in public and then the next day you get to shave it off and so for me it was it was a couple weeks ago or a month ago i should say when uh we had to go to the gym um and it was a gym in downtown san diego um with a lot of people in it and so i had to walk in and i had some striped uh, they left some stripes of hair in my uh, on my head, and so you know I got the I got the occasional stares and oh what happened to you and who did this to you you know but but it was all fun and games and everyone has to go through it and so it's uh, it's definitely a good thing to to have your to have your head shaped. Well, I, everyone can see pictures of this. You're on your Instagram account. Why don't you say what your Instagram account is so everyone can check it out? My Instagram account is at that boy Pauly, T H A T B O Y P A U L Y. All right, one last one for me. I I, I meant to ask since uh, we talked about it earlier. Now you said your favorite player growing up was David Beckham, and uh, he actually just left LA last year. So now, if he had stuck around one more year with the Galaxy, do you think maybe that might have uh, gotten you to stick around with the Galaxy? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I mean, you know, he's always he's always been my favorite player. Um, but of course, but of course, you know, my my career is is different than anyone else's. 
Um, and I got to meet him a couple times. Um, and he's a very nice guy, uh, kind of quiet, you know, humble. Um, but yeah, he was he was my favorite player. You know, I loved him. I loved seeing him on Manchester United um, when I was little. It was my favorite team, and uh, it was it was a it was a blessing to be able to to meet him. Um, I wish I could have got to play with him, um, but but that's how life is sometimes. Well, Paul, thank you so much, man, for jumping on the show with us. We appreciate it, and uh, you know, keep keep performing well. It's been fun to watch you earlier in the season. Thank you very much. Anytime. Uh, I'd love to. I'd love to be on again. Well, good stuff right there with Paul. He and the Cholos will be taking on Pumas on Friday night, and Ivis. Hopefully, he'll be able to continue his uh, assist streak he has going in league play. Well, I got to say, you know, he's been so impressive uh, for for folks who've been able to see the highlights and see him play. I mean, he's a fearless kid. You know, he goes at people. He, he's not afraid. Like he said, you know, he's not afraid to fail. He's not afraid to to, to go at people and try to take people on and beat them. Uh, which is which is you know you want to see that in attacking players and 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 I don't think we see that enough uh, in young American attacking players. So so he's gonna he's one to watch. And again, it's still early. You know you don't want to throw too much on him. Um, you know you know we're not booking his place. We're not booking his ticket to Brazil or anything like that. But I mean he's an exciting young player uh, and off to an amazing start. Because I mean let's face it, I, I can't imagine that many people would have pegged him to to get playing time in his first two games in the Mexican league and get assists in his first two games in the Mexican League. Well, I was talking about Americans abroad. Tim Howard in a conference call on Wednesday, uh, Thursday, excuse me, talked a little bit about a lot of things EPL. I mean, he talked about Josie Altador, the exposure on NBC, and a little bit about, a bit about his starting job at Everton. And, I mean, and, you know, he kind of pretty much was saying, you know, that, I mean, it's 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 his job, and it's the starter spot is in no question. So, I mean, for Tim Howard, uh, it was good to see that confidence going into the season. Well, I mean, I don't think anyone should be surprised by his, his attitude towards it. I mean, we're talking about a guy who's been starting there for, you know, I think it's eight eight years now for, for Everton. Um, so, you know, uh, he's not going to just, you know, step aside and let uh, the young Spanish goalkeeper, Joel Robles, take his spot. Um, you know, if anything, I, I think I've said this before on the show, you know, I think bringing in a player, bringing in a quality backup, quality player to, to kind of challenge him, uh, is only going to help Howard. You know, I think it, 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 it's just a natural thing when you don't have competition for, for your starting spot to kind of relax a little bit. You know, I, I think having that competition keeps you on your toes, and I think it'll help keep him sharper. Um, and, you know, hey, Tim Howard had a great uh, second half of the season, especially after the injury when he had a chance to get a break, and, uh, you know, he finished the season really strongly. And I got to say, I, I, it seems like there, there, there's quite a few – uh, American fans, surprisingly enough, who who didn't think he had a good season, and uh, I know there was a lot of talk about Brad Guzan, and you know, hey, Brad Guzan had a great year. There's no no doubt about it, a great year for Villa, uh, but you know, I don't think I don't think Howard got the credit he deserved for for the the way he finished the season. Uh, he he definitely had his you know he he had his, his his wobbles and his issues early in the year, but I thought he finished the the year in outstanding form, and he's still going to be the number one at Everton. I don't think that's changing anytime soon. And he also, like I said, had nice things to say about Josie Altador. I mean, Howard said that you know he expects Josie to do really really well, and I mean he even said that you know he, he said that you know Josie's their money maker, and you know in the U.S. Men's National Team is someone that they're going to have to ride all the way. So very nice for Howard to to see Josie as, as a as a guy who could have a very good season or a very good career in the EPL. Right. I mean, I, th- I, th- I don't think that's a stretch by any means to say. I mean, I, I think anybody who's who's looking back to Josie's time at Hull City and, and trying to use that as any kind of uh, measure of how he'll do now, 
is just pretty misguided. You know, he's such a different player, such a more mature player, a better player. Um, and look, I think Sunderland, you know, I know they struggled last year. They, they didn't generate a ton of goals. But I think with the changes that they've made with with Paulo De Canio as the manager from day one, uh, I think they're going to they're going to be a better team. They're going to have a better attack. And, and I think I think Josie Altidore is going to have a really good season in his first season back in the Premier League. Well, Tim Howard, being a European player, will probably and should get called up for that Wednesday friendly against Bosnia and Herzegovina. Um, there's also a report going out there. You know, it's not confirmed yet that Clint Dempsey might not be called up for this. Is, is that surprising at all, Ivis, or should fans kind of be worried at all or anything like that? No, please. Let's not even go there. That's uh, Look, it's simple. He just made a move, uh, and everything that goes into making a transfer and, and, and moving everything and settling into your new location, uh, you know, if, if you can give a guy some time to sort that out, you give him that time. So um, uh, if, if, in fact, he isn't going to play in this game, which is, it's not a surprise, and I don't think uh, if anybody wants to jump on a conspiracy theory about that and, 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 and say that, uh-oh, Clinton's not happy with, he's, Dem- he's, with Dempsey. He's punishing uh, Dem- Dempsey's going to get the Donovan treatment now. He's, like, he's going to get the cold shoulder. No, settle down, folks. He's fine. He, he just has to settle in with Seattle. And you know they, they obviously have games to play. He has he has settling in to do. So there there are going to be other Seattle Bears called in, according to the report. Eddie Johnson, Brad Evans. Uh, so you know you could understand if Klinsman A wants to let uh, Clint settle into his new his new team, and B not he doesn't want to take a bunch of guys off of one team um, for a friendly. So uh, I don't think no one should read much at all into that. Also in the report, it looks like uh, John Anthony Brooks is going to be playing for the U.S. men's national team. That's a few words saying it, but it's a nice, uh, it's a nice, nice little recruitment swoop right there for the U.S. men's national team to, uh, well, to get John Anthony Brooks involved. Uh, well, look, it should be noted that the uh, playing in this game does not cap tie him. Um, he is, uh, you know, uh, I believe he's played. Well, he's played for uh, on the German youth level. Um, he, he will he will, will be captied by um, appearing in a, in a qualifier or or an official competition. So I I don't think you know I don't think we should go jump for just yet until he is captied until we see something definitive that he is absolutely going to play for the U.S. over Germany. Uh, that being said, it's still a good sign that um, mm-hmm. you know he did receive a call up to join the German U twenty one team for a game uh, on the same day as the U.S. is uh, friendly. So. Uh, he wasn't. He ultimately ended up not being on that team. So that that really kind of let the cat out of the bag. Once we saw that Brooks wasn't on that German team, it was pretty easy to to, to surmise that he would probably instead be with the U.S. And now with that report suggesting that he is going to be with the U.S., I mean that's that's a good step. And if he does choose the U.S., that's that's a big win for for the U.S. Uh, player pool. I mean we're talking about a young center back who's about to be a regular starter in the Bundesliga, who, who has tons of promise. He has great size. Pretty good technical ability for a center back his size, so he's a great prospect. So that that's a if if that works out, if he picks the U.S., that'll be a big win. How nice will it be if the U.S. men's national team takes care of business in September? Those games in October with the U.S. already locking up the group, they could call in a guy like John Anthony Brooks and cap to him. It's a it's a nice possibility to think of. Um, I don't know about that. You know, I, it's a nice possibility. You know, it's, it's a you know it's something you could think of though. Maybe you know it's a long stretch, well, but think about it. Again, we don't know how Klinsman would treat those kind of games if uh, if the U.S. is already qualified. But just going off of history. Usually European players aren't called in for those games because it's like, why do you want them to fly all the way over here, 
to the to you know to the Concacaf region for games that don't matter. You know, you obviously have the MLS guys that you know you can call up. Uh, I, I think Brooks. It wouldn't shock me if Brooks got called up sooner. You know, if he maybe you know he gets called up for a game like the Mexico game, assuming he has chosen the U.S. We still don't know that yet, but you know, hopefully that's the case. Well, going on this weekend will be another full week of MLS play. You know, some teams are going to be a little, sh- a little, little tired, maybe going in after the uh, midweek games. Going on, one of those teams, Real Salt Lake, taking on the Houston Dynamo. Houston has been playing really good as of late. Ivis, uh, I mean, look, they're they're on right now, a four game winning streak. You you're having guys like Will Bruin and Brad Davis score for you, so you know you're getting great contributions from your you know your marquee players. And I mean, Real Salt Lake's going to be a little tired because they had a full squad in the, in that U.S. Open Cup game. And I mean, this is a game that Houston can uh, can take advantage of. Maybe an RSL team that's going to be you know a little tired. As I said, I keep saying that. Wait a minute. Are they tired? Uh, they, might. They, <laughs> they, they might be tired. Uh, okay. Well, I was only clear that. In case anyone didn't uh, know. <laughs> right. Well, I'll tell you what, man. The, the, that's going to be a good game. Uh, you know, Houston is really starting to find their rhythm, uh, as we kind of expected. Uh, they, they've won three. They, they're unbeaten in four. They've won three out of four matches. Uh, their offense is starting to click. Oscar Bonilla Garcia is really starting to find his rhythm. He's such a key for them uh, in, in their attack. Um, I, th- I think ah, Salt Lake, like you said, you know they they, they played a lot of minutes in that game, uh, a lot of first teamers. Uh, so I think they're going to be tired. I agree. I agree. I think Houston, although they're not the best road team, I think they can go up and get at least a, at least a draw uh, again uh, at Rio Tinto. I was two more teams are going to be tired. Montreal taking on Chicago Fire. That game will be. Uh, in Chicago, and the thing with this game is, I mean, Montreal's an older team, and, and as you said, I mean, dude, they had their first team out there in that CONCACAF Champions League game, and look, we, we see Montreal over the last couple months just not really playing that well, and I mean, this is maybe a game that the Chicago Fire can really take advantage of a Montreal team that, that has some has some older legs, and it, it, they have to travel, you know? Yeah, I think this is a trap game. I, th- I think the Fire, the fire going to come out uh, a, little, a little angry because uh, they know they didn't play well enough against DC. They know they cost themselves a chance at a trophy. Um, and then you have Montreal coming off of a win. They're going to feel good. They are going to feel the fatigue of the midweek game. I think a little more than Chicago. They're a bit of an older team. Uh, I got to give the edge to the Fire. I think the Fire are going to come out and uh, really put it on them. And I think Mike McGee is going to get back on the score sheet. <laughs> that's a uh, come on, Ivis. That's a safe prediction right there. Mike McGee getting back on the score sheet. Yeah, that's like the death taxes in Mike McGee score. Yeah, Vancouver will be and and Garrett talking about Real Salt Lake. Oh my God, I hate you. (laughs) Uh, Vancouver will be hosting the San Jose Earthquakes. I mean, look, San Jose has to be pissed that they couldn't defeat the Montreal Impact. And look, I I know that you said that San Jose didn't have their team out there, but I mean, they still had some guys out there. I mean, Gordon played. Chris Wadalowski came off the bench. I mean, so they did have some guys out there. Vancouver, they did a little bit of uh, you know changing to their roster last week so it'll be interesting to see what what they have out there against san jose this week uh i tell you what i like, I like san jose I, th- I think even though you know they're <laughs> going to be the visitors um i think i think the fact that they rested uh quite a few key guys um you know kept, tried to cut down on the load the minutes load and look vancouver has been a little shaky lately as we know they've uh they haven't won in three matches now they, they've had one they have one point from their past three uh, San Jose's on three mat, uh, three game winning streak. So and, I think and even San, though, yeah, San Jose's three points out of the playoff race. So I mean, with a victory here, boom, they're tied with Vancouver for that fifth spot. Right. This is definitely a, a big game right there. When you talk about just, uh, it's a six pointer, as the coaches like to say. 
in their lingo, coaching lingo. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, the earthquakes would tie. Uh, even though Vancouver would have a game in hand, I mean, I think, you know, it's still momentum-wise. San Jose is really starting to find their groove and, and looking a little more like the team that, uh, you know, won the Supporter Shield last year. So uh, I like their chances. I think they're going to win that game. Well, a team that's going to be not scoreboard watching but paying attention is FC Dallas. I was, they're going to be taking on the LA Galaxy. And with the way things have been going for FC Dallas – I mean, it's not. I mean, they have everyone back. It's not like they've had injuries. I mean, they've had injuries, but right now they have everyone back. And I mean, look, with the loss here against the Galaxy, and let's say San Jose wins, it, it, look, if you're a Dallas fan, you have to be panicking at this point. Right. If they don't win, if they don't beat LA, all of a sudden you're talking about a ten match winless streak. Ten matches. And yes, we know they had uh, injuries. We know they had uh, Blas Perez at the Gold Cup. Uh, we know that, but they've had their guys back now. They have talent. At a certain point, Shellis Hyman has to make it happen. He has to put the guys in position to get you some results. And and you know, obviously, early in the year things went their way. Now they've hit a. On top of the fact they're missing some players, they've hit a really tough part of their schedule. Uh, but again, the West's so tough that if they're not careful, they're they're not going to be able to climb out of this hole. I mean, they're digging a pretty deep hole there. Um, so. LA, LA's as we know, LA's been up and down. They they still haven't found their rhythm, but I think if they have Robbie Keane back, uh, which they should, and they have the the, the trio of Keane, Donovan, Gonzalez together, um, you know, you have to like their chances to win that game at home. Philadelphia right now is in a little bit of a a, a, a stretch of tough games, and like two weeks ago, you're probably thinking, look, DC United, oh man, that's gonna be a nice little break between all these teams that are that are in the playoffs or making playoff pushes, but. You didn't take it on DC nineteen. That's really hot right now. You didn't coming off a loss against the Fire. I mean, do you think they can get back to the winning ways in this game against DC? I think so. I think that Philly. Uh, I think Philly getting back home. Uh, I think they're going to be all right. I know. I know that was a tough loss to Chicago last week. But again, you want to talk about DC uh, midweek road game? Uh, is even though they won, I, I think they're going to come down from that from that high of, of getting to the final. And I think they're going to face a Philly team. That's going to be pretty, uh, pretty eager to get back on the field. Uh, and it's actually a, a bit of a big week in, in Philly. Uh, you saw both Zach McMath and Jack McInerney celebrate birthdays. Uh, McMath turned 22 McInerney turned 21. He's legal now folks. Watch out. Um, but he, you know, <laughs> th- those guys, uh, I think, I think they're going to be eager to get out, uh, get out there and, and have some good games. And um, McInerney is, is at a few games now without a goal. And, uh, as we know, he's had a lot of he's had his good share of success against DC in the past. So uh, I think we should look for McInerney to have himself a game, and uh, I think the Union get back on the winning uh, on the winning note. Also, Ivis, do you know what we're going to see this weekend? What? Clint Dempsey possibly playing for the Seattle Sounders. <laughs> who? Who's who? Clint Dempsey. I don't know. I, I, have you ever heard of him? Maybe. I mean, he plays the U.S. Men's National Team. No big deal. Are you? I, I just want to let everyone know that 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 uh, that. Uh, Garrett has a speech impediment where he can't say the word Clint. I said Clint, Clint Dempsey. What I say? Oh, there you go. You've been—I don't know. I feel like you've been saying Klimt, Klimt Dempsey. That's probably just the audience. It's Clint, those. Clint, Clint. Like you know, Clint Eastwood, great actor. Hey, easy now, easy now. So Clint Dempsey, wanna, but he'll be taking. But you want to drop the wrong letter in that one? Easy. Seattle will be taking on Toronto. This will be in Toronto, so a chance for you know Clint Dempsey to to get back at the Toronto team that didn't offer him a contract. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that's the motivation. Yes, uh, but uh, you know, <laughs> if, if 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 it would be a little anticlimactic for that to be his debut in Toronto. But hey, you know what? Seattle needs their points. They need to get back. 
in the in the thick of the playoff race and, and they need a they need a win. They've put together a couple of wins now uh in a row and uh I, you know if he's ready to go he's ready to go and you know he's been training with the team you, you got to believe he's ready to get some minutes uh and you want to see what kind of impact he can have and uh you know i think we're all excited to see how he stacks up now uh you know now that he returns seven years later to mls obviously he's a much better player than he was when he left but again mls is a tougher league than it was when he left so Toronto's been on a little bit of a positive turnaround, so you can't necessarily write them off as being a pushover for Seattle. Uh, they're they're unbeaten in their past three. They've got two wins in a row, so uh, they're going to make it a little tough. But I tell you what, Seattle, I feel like they're really going to start finding their rhythm uh, if they can stay healthy. And uh, I like I like their chances. I like them to get a win on the road in Toronto. Ivis, we've reached the end of the show. That means it's the SBI Q&A part. Everyone, you can always send in questions, hashtag Ask the SBI Show, or send them in uh, the day we're going to be recording the show. First question comes from Nick Spirito. What's your preseason favor for the Champions League trophy? Uh, it's hard not to pick Bayern, man. I mean, I, I know they, they're the champions, but they're even stronger now. I mean... Uh, you know, they added Mario Gotha and uh, how do you know, wait, wait, wait. How, do, how, how do you know he's not talking about CONCACAF Champions League, Ivis? Well, he said preseason. CONCACAF's not in preseason. That's true. You're right. I'm sorry. Bam! <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'm going to get killed for that. <laughs> All right. Uh, no, yeah. Look, Bayern, you know, Pep Guardiola's there now. They, they've added Mario Gotha and um, Tiago Alcantara to an already loaded team. So uh, it, it's crazy. It's crazy how much talent they have. But I tell you what, man, Barcelona, if they if they can go get a center back, they, they still I feel like they still need a center back, whether it's David Luiz or if they figure out a way to pry Thiago Silva from PSG. Uh, if they get the center back they need, uh, I tell you what, I'm excited to see Neymar and, and, and Messi together, and I think they're gonna be they're gonna be right there. So it's gonna be the usual suspects, those two teams. Uh, you know, Real Madrid, obviously they're in the conversation, but. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about those guys, but I'd say the, I'd say it's got to be again, once again Barcelona and Bayern. Man, you pick the easy teams. Come it's on, not, man. Hey, a stretch. If they ask me the question, I give them the the real deal. I'm not gonna. Right, okay, fine, fine, fine. Give, okay, Swansea, give, Swansea's gonna win the Champions League. Stop Wait, it. Give me, give me a dark horse at least. Uh, dark horse. I gotta look at Tuesday. I, I don't even. I haven't even thought about it. Galatasaray at, again. Hmm. Shock? No. Ix. Well, I mean, they're not a dark. They're not a dark. Okay, horse. Well, okay. A team that's you know on that tier, but maybe just like you know they're like a they're like think, a B you know plus. What? PSG. I think last year, obviously they they fell short. Um, but you know, adding Cavani, I mean Cavani and Ibrahimovic together, that's ridiculous. That's just I'm sorry, that's gonna be crazy to watch. And I tell you, what, and look, hey, you can't rule out Jose Mourinho. I know they got they got smoked in the. Uh, Whatever that tournament that just finished in Miami was, uh, in that preseason tournament. But if they, the the latest word now, rumor making the rounds is Samuel Ito might make his way to Chelsea. If Samuel Ito goes to Chelsea, I tell you what, man, Mourinho just might be able to turn that team into a Champions League winner. Okay, well, the team I'm rooting for is the Welsh side, the New Saints. So go, New Saints. Next question I have comes from Alonzo Vicuerano. Um, do okay. It's it's worded. I'm sorry, Alonzo. You you did not word this correctly, so I'll say it. The question is, Ivis is asking you: Is Landon Donovan on the squad versus Bosnia? I think he. Uh, I think he will. Be. 
Okay, next question comes from Kevin Wieselow. Um, we're talking about Luis Suarez here. With all Suarez has done regarding transfer, why would Liverpool and Henry want to keep him worried about reasonable replacement? Well, I mean, I think, number one, you know, you don't want to give up your best player. You don't want to just say, okay, fine, you can leave. You know, they uh, obviously they want they, they feel like, you know, he's someone that they, they – they, I mean, honestly, I don't know how I don't know how they would replace him at this point, uh, just because of uh, the way the market's already gone, and a lot of the top attacking players are already off the market. So that's the thing. If you're Liverpool, let's just say you sell them, right? Even if you sell them, you get a you get a truckload of money, which you're going to get. Arsenal's offering a mint. But what do you do with that money then? I mean, you've already you know when you talk about guys like Iwain is already off the board. Uh, Cavani is already off off the board. A lot of the top attackers are. Are gone already. Um, Tevez is, is, is accounted for. Mar- Mario Gomez, all these guys are accounted for. So where do you go for a replacement if you're Liverpool? If you don't, have, I mean, even though Suarez is suspended for the early part of the season, I mean, he's still someone that you want to count on for some results. So I think they're in a tough spot because clearly Suarez wants to leave, um, and it's it's getting ugly. It's getting ugly. I think in the end of the day, they have to sell him, but then. Then it's a lost season. It's because I don't think they're going to have enough time uh, to find capable replacements, and and they're going to have a ton of money. Uh, and I think this is going to become a lost year for them. Ivy's next question comes from Blanded Bleak. Now that Dempsey is in Seattle, when's the next time you'll? He's talking about you, Ivis. Be back. You know you loved it here. Ha! Huh, that's a good question. Um, I don't know, man. I, I tell Dude. you what. If I were in the country. I would be going to the 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 Sounders Timbers game uh, later this month, but I, unfortunately, I will be in Brazil. I'm not Brazil. I'm sorry. I'm thinking of 2014 already. Uh, I will be in Peru uh, for the the middle part of the month, so I will miss that game. Uh, that's a good question, man. I got to look at the schedule. I, I'm trying to go to Portland actually for the Portland. Uh, oh, we just no, lost well, all Seattle listeners. It's Portland Sounders, right? I mean, I've been to Seattle a bunch of times. I've only been to Portland once, and I have yet to. I, I last year I was at um, Sounders uh, Timbers, right? Uh, so I have been on that end of it, and now hopefully this year I'll get a chance to be on the other end, go down to Jell Wen and uh, check out uh, Timbers Sounders. So that might be as close as I get. Uh, aside from an MLS Cup, which hey, it's possible we could see. Hey, you know, strange things, stranger things have happened. Seattle's got games in hand. They got Clint Dempsey. They, you know, they, they, who knows? They could be hosting the MLS Cup final. Next question comes from Steve Hildago. If LA signs Gonzalez to DP contract, have they felt set bar high with Bex and Keen? Where's the big names? That's a good question. You know, uh, you know, I know that they've been actively pursuing. Uh, designated player options, big, big, uh, bigger ticket guys. You know whether it's uh, Gio De Santos and uh, you know they they want uh, they want an impact signing, right? But if you know with Gonzalez and Landon Donovan uh, coming out of their contracts this winter, if you keep both of them, and if the reports are accurate that that Gonzalez is getting a DP deal then you don't have another big-name player, and that, that would be a little surprising to me. I am still not convinced, by the way, that Gonzalez is going to get a DP deal. I mean, it wouldn't shock me, but as we've said before, there is no precedent for a designated player uh, as a pure center back. And I know some people brought up Rafa Marquez as someone who did play center back and was a designated player, yes. But when he first arrived, you know, he was, he was billed more as kind of a midfielder, uh, a skillful midfielder type. 
uh, player, um, at, like as he was at Barcelona. Uh, so you know that, but pure pure center back, we haven't had a DP yet. So uh, that one bears watching. Um, if they if they come back with with Donovan Gonzalez and Keane next year, I mean I think they'll still be a contender, but it 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 would make it. Um, I, I don't know that I would say failed. I don't know if I use that word because hey. If they can get Gonzalez and Donovan back, that's pretty good. Because if you lose either one of them, that's a big loss. Uh, I wouldn't say failed, but I think it would be a little disappointing on some level if they don't go get an international star. Next question comes from Matthew Mueller. If you were MLS, how many teams in total would you be in the league? 20, 24, 32, 40? Quickly, I say 40 because if that happens, then Phoenix gets a team. So go 40. You're not going to see 40. I'm sorry. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I know. Obviously, Ivis. Come on. Um, you know, I don't know, man. That's a good question. I mean, uh, 32 is just a lot, right? That's just ridiculous. I mean, that's like, yes, that's the size of NFL. But, I mean, uh, the, I mean, think about that. Like, thir- 32 teams, right? So Each team could play each other, like, once. Should, yeah. So, I mean, I think it, once you get past 24, once you get up to 28, I think tw- 28, I feel like, has got to be the limit, right? It just isn't, like, 26, 28. <laughs> If you get beyond that, then you start asking yourselves, maybe why don't we just have two leagues and have promotion and relegation? And I know some people's ears will perk up when you hear that. You hear those words, those magic words, promotion and relegation. Um, you know, I, I, that's the thing. If When this country gets to that point, right, when you have that many markets that can handle and that have healthy, strong teams uh, down the road, yeah, I mean, maybe promotion and relegation is, is something that should should be talked about. But uh, you know some of the <laughs> some of the loons on Twitter, some of the some of the folks who are overly pro uh, you know promotion relegation and, and overly anti MLS believe it should be here now. It's it's not. It's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen anytime soon. But you know what? I would love to see it happen in my lifetime. I'd love to see promotion relegation uh, because then you can talk about having. Uh, 40 markets with teams that can at certain points be in MLS. That I think that'd be great. I think that's the end game, right? I think at some point that's what you want to see. You want to see a strong pre quote unquote Premier League, a strong second division, uh, and some promotion relegation. But again, that's years away. There is no timetable. But I'm just telling you, folks, all these millionaires that are buying into MLS right now are not buying in for the opportunity to lose that investment by dropping down. That's not happening anytime soon. But as you get further down the line, and you get and, and you get a, a clear example that uh, having a team in a lower division is sustainable, then you could see it happen. Then you could see that. But again, I, I'm telling you, I, I don't. Twenty years. If it happens in less to, in in the next ten years, I would be shocked. Absolutely shocked. Twenty years, yeah, possible. Because again, look, NASL. They're and NASL is making some nice some some nice moves. You know they. Uh, the Cosmos had a great opening. Uh, there, there's there's quite a bit of uh, new money coming in the NASL, so that's a you know it's a league that's going to make things interesting for MLS. And you know, I, it would not shock me if down the road we've got an AFL NFL type situation where you know the NASL is is healthy enough that they uh, you know I don't want to say they're competing with MLS. I said but it's, this like a couple weeks ago. I don't listen to you. Let's, let's just be honest. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Wow, uh, Ivis. The, the mean <laughs> Ivis is back once again. I said this a couple weeks ago. I swear I said this right. a couple and weeks you know ago. What? It's not It's not the most crazy idea. It's just not something that's happening soon. And that's why I, I just, it just, you know, I went on the rant last show talking about these guys, these these conspiracy theorists, uh, 
MLS is bad, promotion and relegation is the answer to everyone's everyone's problems. You know, these people who just drive me nuts because I've yet to, I've yet to read. And, and you know, I, I spend a fair amount of time looking at at stuff that that's written by by people, and and, and I've yet to find a real coherent breakdown of why promotion and relegation is going to magically bring American soccer to another level now, immediately, anytime soon. It's not. It's not. That's not the answer. It's not going to happen. Down the road, yes. Anytime soon, no. But you know what? We'll see. But the the exciting part is there's so many markets that, that are adding teams all over the country, man. You're talking about Sacramento, Virginia now. Indianapolis getting their, themselves a team. You got Oklahoma City fighting for teams. You got you got two leagues fighting for a team in that league, in that in that market. So that that's exciting, exciting times because it seems like every market, every decent sized market in the country, is at least considering adding a, a a pro team, and that is great stuff. That's great news. Well, Ivis, uh, that wraps up the show today, man. We uh, we covered a lot of things. Yeah, it was great. I mean, it was great to have a, a guest. Uh, we definitely want to thank Paul Ariola for coming on. Uh, you know, he gave us a, a good amount of time of, of his time, and uh, it's gonna be sh- it's gonna be sh- great to just see him continue to develop. And and it's just crazy to think, man. I mean, we're talking about a kid who just uh, a couple of months, ago, and I hate calling him a kid because look, he's a pro, right? He's an adult. He's a pro player. He's dropping dimes in Liga MX, right? He's a, he's 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 a player. But it's crazy. He was. We're talking about. He was wearing a cap and gown uh, just a couple of months ago, in a in a graduation ceremony for high school, and now he's playing in the Mexican league. That and I think that's great. I know it's pretty wild. It's been fun though watching him. And look, I just, we, we we've talked about this before. There's there's a lot of young guys coming up right now. The 18, 19, 20 year old range group and. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but it's just it's really fun watching all these guys performing well right now. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, think about you know the U twenties. You know, you guys like obviously DeAndre Yedlin, who mm-hmm. you know he's gaining fans by the day. Uh, you know, guys like Luis Gill, Jose Villarreal, mm-hmm. uh, all those U twenty guys. Uh, you know that, and and then a player like Ariola is even younger. I mean, that's it's just it's great to see, and it just shows you that the, you know the 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 development. Uh, the process to develop talent in this country is getting better and better, and, and now you're seeing younger and younger talent uh, coming into the pro ranks, uh, ready to play. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's 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 only it's only great, it's only positive, it's only positive. And these are the guys that hey, you know what? In 2018 Russia, 2022 Qatar slash USA, uh, you know that that's uh, these are the guys. These are the guys that you're going to see. I thought it was a cutter. Is it Qatar cutter? And I couldn't tell you. Yeah. Maybe. I, I've heard both. Yeah. I feel like military people say cutter, and then uh, and then non-military people say guitar. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Well, Ivis, that wraps up the show, man. We've had a long show. Uh, we uh, we need to get some rest for all the weekends MLS action. Is that what's going on this weekend? I need to pack, man. I need to pack for my trip to Peru. That's what you I'm. That's what I'm doing. Trip to Europe. It's, Please, it's, dude. I'll be packing. I'll be packing the night before. Yeah, me too. I'm not gonna lie. That's what I'm I'll be doing that morning, uh, yeah. like an hour before I leave. I'll like it'll be like five o'clock in the morning. I'll be like, oh crap, I gotta, I gotta do laundry, and I'll probably do laundry at like five. <laughs> oh man, I can see you. You're, you're gonna have like one backpack. You're gonna just backpack in across Europe. No, what are you talking about? Dude, I'm saying, uh, I'm staying with my buddy in Oslo, man. I'm staying at a at, at, at his uh, at his house. So uh, 
I have, a, I have a nice bed to sleep on while I'm there. Party time, party time in Europe. That's not true. We're going to museums and we're learning about the culture, and um, you know we're going to some more museums and stuff like that. Ivis, I mean, it's, it's educational. <laughs> you don't even believe that. I love this. Uh, no one is buying that. Like, give me a break. Actually, like, actually, I will be doing some work. Muse- you might see the outside of a museum on the way to a bar. That's, That's not true. I will. I will go. Hey, no, no, no. Come on. This is. I've never been to Scandinavian countries before, so this is an opportunity. I like. I will during the day. I will be an adult. <laughs> When I'm in Oslo, if anyone listens to the show oh, lives in Oslo, time is going to be you're going to be on the prowl. Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you what. While you're yeah, while you're uh, <laughs> on the prowl for for vulnerable, you know, European ladies, I'll be uh, hopefully I'll be at Machu Picchu checking out. Uh, Dude, that's the sick. Show. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm going to take pictures. Don't worry. I'm gonna, actually I I fired up the Instagram account, which. Uh, I I had started however long ago and and I just didn't really use it but I I, I fired it up. Uh, I will be posting pictures from from my Peru trip. Uh, so if you don't follow yet, it's uh, Ivis Gl- It's my name, Ivis Glarsep. So uh, you know, feel free to follow. Uh, nothing too exciting on there yet, but uh, I will I will uh, be uh, posting. You know, all the pictures that I normally post uh, on Twitter, I'm gonna I'm gonna start doing it through Instagram. So you know, I know everyone loves the. Yeah, I'm the, the the screen grab king when it comes to to, to soccer games and whatnot. So you, you're gonna want you're gonna find those on Instagram now, or you can follow me on Instagram and determine if I'm actually a real Salt Lake fan or not. Oh, the pictures of you in the jerseys, yeah. No, <laughs> you don't even follow me on Instagram. You don't even know. I, I can only imagine. It's stop. it's like five or six pictures of you with the uh, development academy trophy. Uh, There's only one. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I'm not holding. I'm with, I'm with another guy. I'm with my boy Jose. It lives down the road from me. Anyways, I was. That wraps up the show. We don't need to talk about that conspiracy anymore. It's been put to bed numerous, numerous occasions. Ivis, you have a good weekend, man. I'll talk to you again on Sunday. Yes, sir. Everyone else, have a good weekend. As always, we appreciate the comments, reviews, and everything else to support that you give us. This is the SBI Show. <laughs>